Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. RNIB is arguably the UK's leading sight loss charity. In fact, it's probably one of the exemplar sight loss charities in the world, which means we have to have a world-class staff, board, committee, etc. And we also now have a brand new chair. Ellie Southwood has been elected to the position and Ellie joins us now. Congratulations on chair, Ellie. Thank you very much, Alan. So, but before we go into what that means to you and the, the charity direction and so on, tell me a little bit about Ellie Southwood. Okay, so I was born with a condition called Labour's congenital amaurosis, which for me means that I've never had any useful sight really at all. So RNIB always been part of my life, really. Very different when I was a child to what we are now, and I think that, again, will be different to what we are in the future. I have a mixture of special and mainstream education experience, went to mainstream secondary and then on to university, uh, where I studied philosophy, politics and economics, which lots of my friends at the time, I think unkindly called degree level general studies. But what that meant was I basically hadn't decided what, what career I wanted. I went into policy and research in public services to start with, so public service reform. I worked for the Confederation of British Industry. And after a few years of doing that, I uh, became a headhunter, which was an accident, entirely an accident, sort of fell into it and absolutely loved it. And that is actually how I met our current chair, Kevin, because he came into the office one day and somebody said, oh, there's a blind man in the office. You should go and meet him. And I said, oh, dear. You know, this could be an excruciating <laughs> You must know him as blind. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. You must know him. So... Uh, so, so we spent an hour together, and, and I'll, I'll be honest and say I, I spent a, a large proportion of that hour telling Kevin everything I felt was wrong with RNIB. So that I didn't feel it was an organisation for me. I felt that it had quite low expectations of me and of blind and partially sighted people. I felt at the time that lots of our products were things that didn't feel cool, you know, just didn't feel like things I would want as part of my life. So at the end of all this, Kevin said, well, you know, you, you, you've got a choice then. So you can either continue to, to sort of criticise us or you can apply to be a trustee and potentially be part of our future and, and us changing, which is what I did. So it made sense for me at the time because my career was, you know, helping to make senior appointments as a headhunter on boards and... So it was a great opportunity for me to join a board myself and obviously one for an organisation that, that was a huge part of my life and that I was really, really passionate about making better. It's interesting, Ellie, you know, you say you were critical of the organisation back then and you know, Kevin pointed out, well, why don't you get involved? You yeah. did, um, because obviously, you know, you, you've you seen the problems from a visually impaired person's point of view and, and who better to actually set the direction or suggest the direction of how things can be improved? Yeah, and I, I've, I've always felt very, very strongly that um, it's important that we are led by blind and partially sighted people. We talk about it a lot and I think it's really important that we understand what that means and that means that in terms of our governance, so our board, our, our, you know, our voluntary board of trustees, and also our staff, but it's very, very important that we have that lived experience, I suppose, of, of, of having sight loss as part of how we make decisions and also how we reach out to people and, and how we help 
people to, I suppose, connect with each other and use their own experiences to make our organisation the best it can be. What made the decision in your mind then that, yes, okay, I am going to get involved and I'm going to get involved because I think I can make a difference? I was thinking about becoming a trustee somewhere. I was thinking that it sounded like a really exciting thing to do, to be part of a board. I felt that I had some good skills and experience in my professional life in terms of policy and strategy development, my role in HR and as a headhunter. And more recently as well, the, the political involvement. So I'm actually a local politician in northwest London as, as well. So I felt that all of that experience could be quite valuable on, on a board to help us move forward as an organisation, given that I didn't necessarily feel at the time that we were an organisation that, that really was there for somebody like me in their late 20s. We can talk about joining and becoming trustees and helping shape direction and so on. Is it a different thing when you're actually there? Um, you know, you're in that environment, you're having to shape change. Was was that difficult or did that come quite easily to you? Definitely, I've learned a huge amount. And some of the decisions that we make as trustees are not easy. And some of them are not necessarily things that that we all agree on either so that that's a really important thing about you know being a trustee and some of the difficulties sometimes is that we have a group of people in a room together who can really talk honestly about our concerns about risk what our organization might need to look like in the future and as i say sometimes that does mean making very difficult decisions so it's really important that you, you know, you do kind of have the support of your fellow trustees as well in, in doing that. That's been hugely helpful. And that I've had a couple of really, really great mentors along the way, which you know, is why I feel now in a position why I felt able to stand to be our next chair. I obviously work for RNIB and I use RNIB services because I am registered blind myself. It's kind of comforting to know that listening to what you've just said there though that when you think of trustees who are helping you know learn the teller helping guide the organization they don't always agree and to me that's a good thing no we don't we don't always agree and and it's healthy it's very healthy to, to have disagreements we've all got our own viewpoints personal experiences professional experiences and it makes for really good conversations but of course one of the things about being a trustee is once the decision is made it's really important that we all entirely support that decision because that's you know i suppose that's part of what leadership's about and being able to make it very clear to staff and our volunteers and our community the direction we're going in but knowing we've had a very good discussion about all the options along the way the charity has gone through a lot of changes, and it's fair to say over the past few years. Uh, we have the, the, the five-year strategies, but within that there's been changes, you know, whether that's reacting to what people want in terms of services or the economic climate. How difficult is it to make some of these decisions? Do you find it easy to kind of be impartial or distance yourself from I, I don't want to say your feelings, but you have to be very kind of critical or binary about things like that. Yeah, I, I think I think you do. And I think the thing we all have to remember as trustees is that the organisation is our priority. So out of the current 12 trustees, 10 have sight loss and so are likely to have 
different experiences, maybe to have different personal views about some particular services that RNIB provides, what we love, what we don't love. And it's really important to separate that, my view as a customer, if you like, from my understanding of our financial position, the huge pressures that local authorities and other people who might previously have been larger funders of our work than they, they're likely to be in the future. That's the kind of thing that, that is a consideration when, when you're looking at making decisions as a trustee. Where then did the interest come from to take it beyond just being a trustee and, and looking at perhaps taking the position of chair? So I joined the board in 2010, which sounds like an awful long time ago actually now, and I've been vice chair for the last couple of years. So that's been an opportunity to work very closely with our current chair, Kevin, to get a real sense of what being the chair means, to start to make connections, I guess, within the organisation, but also with our external supporters and, and partners to make sure that, that I really understand now the context we operate in. So given that and my experience through my professional life, I felt that I was in a good position. So it was really important to me to talk to other trustees about what we wanted from our next chair and also some you know, staff and our customers because it is a huge responsibility and it's a huge honour and privilege. And I was absolutely clear that I would only stand if I felt that I was right for our next, our next chapter. So I think I represent quite a lot of where we're going. I am our first female chair which I'm immensely proud of. I suspect I'm also our youngest chair by some considerable um, <laughs> years. I hope Kevin's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's great too, because actually we're an organisation that's changing. We're an organisation that has a huge opportunity to build on our history and our heritage. And, you know, it's our 150th anniversary next year, which is very exciting. And I think because... Kevin and I have worked so closely together over the past few years. Our skills have really complemented each other. So I think it will be quite a smooth transition for the organisation. I've learnt tons from him and from other trustees as well. So I, I think uh, I decided that I was in, in a good position to give it a go. <laughs> so you've been on the board uh, and you've also acted as, as vice chair as well. Now you're, you're in the big chair. <laughs> what do you think perhaps will be the, the, the toughest part of that? In terms of challenges, it's really tough out there at the moment for charities. The regulatory environment is obviously getting tougher and tougher. Public authorities, so local authorities and government spending is only going one way, <laughs> which is to decrease. And so I think looking at how we make sure that the services we provide are sustainable is going to be and there's an ongoing challenge and there's lots of work already already underway about that but that's something that will be a continual feature i think of my of my term as chair i think as well moving us away from perhaps what you might call a more sort of traditional charity model where it's a charity staffed by professionals who are experts in terms of site loss and alongside that making sure that the experiences of actually living with site loss are as important in our decision making so making sure that our community really drives what we do and how we do it and I think that's a huge cultural change and, and I think 
we are starting that, but I don't underestimate how challenging that will be. But it, it's absolutely the way that I see our future. No doubt there is it's a challenging time, as you say, for many organisations, not just RNIB. No, but, absolutely. But from what you're saying, it doesn't seem to phase you becoming chair. You seem to be almost excited about it and excited about helping drive the change. I'm really, really excited about it. Really excited. And um, I think the next few years are going to be hugely important. And whilst, you know, of course I will play a leading role in that as chair, there's lots and lots of people around who, who are really talented, have loads to give. So my fellow trustees, for example, are growing community where people are coming forward who have incredible experiences and talents who want to contribute not just to RNIB but to the whole sector because you know it's really important that actually wherever you live and whatever your experience of site loss that you know what's around you whether that's a local society whether it's us so we have a huge role to play in connecting all of that together so people know what's around so I am excited about the role I can play but I'm also really excited in what's coming forward from our community from RNIB, the UK's leading sight loss charity. This is RNIB Connect Radio. Now, part of that future also involves the recruitment of a new chief executive for the charity. So, Ellie, this is a hugely important role. Are things underway at the moment to find someone to fill that very big chair? They certainly are, yes, Alan. So the advert went out in the first week of August. And we're working with a recruitment firm called Gate and B. Sanderson, who will help us by contacting lots of people who perhaps wouldn't be in our own networks, who perhaps might currently not want other people to know that they're looking for a new job. You know, um, <laughs> often if you have a job already, you don't necessarily want, want the world to know you're looking. But obviously, often um, recruitment companies will know that people are looking. So on our behalf, they're really doing some, some great work. We're really keen to go and look as widely as possible for our permanent chief executive. You'll be aware, of course, that that Sally Harvey has been doing a fabulous job um, over the past year or so as our acting chief executive. And that was a very deliberate decision to keep that role as an acting role while we, I suppose, thought about what our future would look like and who the right person would be to lead us into that on a permanent basis. Leslie Ann Alexander, our previous chief executive, was with us for 12 years. And when a long-term chief executive leaves, it's a great opportunity to, I suppose, think about what the future looks like and what's going to characterise the next five to ten years. I've obviously been doing lots of thinking about that. The board's been doing lots of thinking about that. And there's a huge amount of change underway in the organisation, as you'll be aware. Some of that change is quite challenging. And it's really important that staff and volunteers understand why we're making the changes we're making. One of the main reasons is because the feedback overwhelmingly, I'd say, since I've been a trustee, is that people know of RNIB and then you ask people, what does RNIB do then? What's it for? One of the things people often ask is, so what, what is RNIB about? What is it that you want to be known for? What are you going to be great at? And of course, there are some obvious things like Braille and making sure people have access to information. But what happens often is that you get as many answers as people you ask. And, and that's a product of us really wanting to try and do everything we can for people. 
what our customers tell us, though, is that that feels like we're trying to do everything. And it feels like it's then quite difficult to identify exactly what it is we do in the unique position that we're in that other organisations are unable to. So if I were to summarise that for you, Alan, that might be by providing really high quality online information or by being there on the end of a phone when somebody calls or sometimes face-to-face, perhaps in an eye clinic. It will be about confident living. So all those things that people need to be included in society. So learning how to use technology, for example, having access to peer support. So other people to ask their advice. You know, you're, you're perhaps losing sight, even if you've already had some level of sight loss. And then there's our advocacy work. And that has changed the lives of millions of people, sometimes quietly behind the scenes and through you know, amendments to Acts of Parliament and secondary legislation, not the most exciting work, perhaps, but it has a huge impact. You know, the work that has gone on in the past around getting higher rate mobility allowance and work globally that we're involved with and um, making sure that people can access more content, for example, is really important. Unfortunately, things do sometimes go wrong and Legal advice, legal guidance and legal rights is a really important part of what we do too. All of that is underpinned by our community when the people driving it are not necessarily heads of service or managers at RNIB, although they play a critical part too, but are blind and partially sighted people, people affected by sight loss, mums, dads, partners, friends, and also people perhaps who don't think that sight loss would ever be an issue in their life. But actually, you know, the whole British population should be having regular eye checks and, and it can happen to anybody. So it's, it's making sure that the people who are driving our work are the people who we're there for. It sounds, Elias, in the past, RNIB has perhaps tried to be everything to anyone with a visual impairment. And with lots of other charities as well, perhaps there's been some overlaps there when it really is time to kind of focus down on certain areas that can make the maximum difference. I think that's right, Alan. And what I would say is I think in the past, sometimes that focus has been on, well, what structures could be better? How could we reorganise ourselves? And I think what I'm really keen to see is a focus more on, so what? You know, what difference does it make if, you know, we work more closely with different organisations? What what services are we actually duplicating? And effectively, you know, spending money which people donate to the sight loss sector on the same things twice. That's not acceptable. And I don't think it's acceptable for our customers or our donors, you know. So, so there's definitely areas where we're duplicating still much, much less than, than it was. There's been a huge amount of work. Um, but again, I think I think there has been a tendency in the past to focus on the structures when actually I care more about the services. I care more about the experience of people, um, you know, with sight loss or patients who, you know, are going through a process of diagnosis or patients who are not in the end diagnosed because there has been a way to prevent a um, level of avoidable sight loss. When the post of Chief Exec has a permanent person in that chair, do you think that will be the beginning of when RNIB says, we've been through the most recent changes, let's put these into practice, give these time to to, to bed in? And I think people also have to appreciate the fact that we are in a changing climate, whether that is around the needs of visually impaired people or indeed just the, the financial climate in general. 
Yes, I, I do, actually. I think um, one of the things about going through the amount of change that we're going through is, is, is making sure that it's always delivering what we intended it to deliver. And, and so I am looking for a period of focus on delivery. It doesn't mean that the change will stop necessarily, but it does mean that the emphasis will be on, is this delivering what we intended it to deliver is it delivering improved experiences? What are our customers and people out there telling us about, about that? It is a great opportunity after having been through, you know, what has been substantial change this year will be to make sure we understand what that change is delivering um, so that we're able to tweak it and, and, you know, keep talking to our staff and our volunteers and our community about how to be the best that we can be for them. When are you expecting to have someone in post? The closing date for the job, for anybody out there who's interested, is the 11th of September. And then we will be interviewing. And there'll be a couple of rounds of interviews. We'll be involving customers, our internal change champions in those interviews to make sure that we get you know, as wider views as possible. And then I'm hoping to make an appointment middle of October. Ellie, we'd like to wish you the very best in the position of chair and, and good luck. It sounds as Thank if it's you. going to be a challenge, but it sounds as if it's going to be a challenge that you're going to relish as well. And uh, and thank you for telling us all about it on RNIB Connect Radio. Thank you very much, Alan. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.